Welcome to Dr. Suzanne Howard's audio play. Thank you for downloading and I pray you are truly blessed. To get more information on Dr. Suzanne Howard's ministry, feel free to visit www.suzannemhoward.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Let it
Good evening. No. Okay. And you're right at the altar. Okay. I guess that's all we can do. We're just gonna do a sound check. Just bear with us for a moment. Could you put my focus on? Does it? You can hear me clearly. Okay. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So go over. Oh, it's on work. I don't want to do it. There's still stuff coming on. It's on work. You want it to change it? But do not disturb. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being with us. You should know the Soul Detox song by heart by now. How many of y'all hear it even when you're not hearing it? <laughs> How many of y'all, when I replay it over and over at night, y'all let it out? <laughs> How many of y'all are letting it out? Oh, it got real quiet. Did you notice that, preacher? How are we doing with letting it out? Huh? Yours was this morning? Was it was it controlled or was it kind of like bursting forth? <laughs> I guess that's a no. <laughs> well, good evening. It is the ninth night for our live So Detox 2023 Defense Mechanisms. We're in the house. And we are blessed enough to be able to bring this to a live audience. So I thank those for taking the time to be here tonight and participating with me. Clap for yourself. Clap for yourself. You are amazing people. The emails that I receive and the comments, some of them are so funny and some of them are so serious. And some of y'all writing theses now. I mean, you're just getting to know yourself better than a book you studied. Amen? Amen. It's good Amen. to hear each message. I, I read them all. My uh, attention span is short most times, so sometimes I have to break them up in two and three sessions because they'd be really long. But I read them because it is, it is the real confessions of the heart. Right? And what does the Bible say about the confessions of the heart? Y'all don't know? And what happens? Yes. You're releasing the issues of life, of your life. That's a freedom. That's one thing it took me, Prophet Mike, up until this year to understand why. Because y'all know I have a big thing with Catholicism. If you don't know that, you don't know me. Because if you know me, you're going to know it. And I finally understood through so detox in the study of psychology. Can y'all hear me in the back? Through the study of psychology, why confession is important. The Bible tells us that, but Catholicism seems to make a big deal about it. You know, you, you have your days, they, they open their confession booths all, all week long. You can go in lunch hour, um, you can go in on holidays. And I didn't realize until I... So the Holy Spirit led me to merge psychology and spirituality together that I was actually able to understand how important confession is. And I think um, Lisa has probably been our high priest for confessions on Tuesdays on the prayer line. <laughs> so when I started really just being taught by the Holy Spirit regarding this 
merge between the two, um, it blessed me because I'm like, okay, all right, I got to put the prophets on now. We got to start having confession. Y'all know how I move right away when he starts talking to me. And giving people that place to share and to confess, um, not for the remission of their sins, but for the release of that weight, that burden that's holding them down. So confession is very important. And it's not coming to the priest, like in Catholicism, for us to tell you your sins have now been resolved, but a place to come in and say, I've been dealing with this. I've been going through this. I did this. It is actually psychologically, scientifically, and spiritually fruitful for your soul if you have a place not to vent, but to free your soul psychologically from the weights and the burdens that you carry. So they got it right as far as that goes with emptying out. But we don't have to go to man to confess anything that God isn't leading us to. And man can never, ever be righteous enough for us to remiss any sins from us. Do you all understand that? Yeah. yeah. But the psychology and the, um, the spiritual behind it, I mean, so many scriptures I can think of even right now, they're all rushing to the front of my mind. Confess your faults. One to another. Could you imagine if we had a, a Friday night service and everybody who came in the door has to come in. You can only come in by confession. And it's up to you. Nobody's telling you you got to confess on anything in particular, right? But this is a confession Friday night service. They can really think you're crazy then. But everybody who comes in the door, you are coming that night to participate in confession. I've been dealing with some things. I've been carrying some weights. I've been battling in my mind, right? How many of y'all have a place where you confess? Is it, just a, is it just a prayer place or do you have a secondary place out of prayer? Where? You said both. Where else? Let me hear some things. Y'all Your mind. Yeah, that's still in, ex, internal. Where else? Journaling. Journaling. Very good. Very, 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 very good. A prayer partner. That's good. How many of y'all have a prayer partner that you can confess to? Wow. All right. Some of y'all itching and mumbling. What does that mean? Help me understand. <laughs> Ain't nobody can handle my stuff. <laughs> Elder Joe, I heard you loud over here. Who can I confess to? It's important. What other scripture comes to mind about confessing? Confess your fault one to another that he may be healed. That he may be healed. Did you hear the second part? Why we confess so we may be healed. When's the last time? Everybody in this room, when's the last time you confessed your fault to somebody? Three months ago, raise your hand. Over three months ago. Under three months, under two months, under one month, under two weeks, under one week. Very healthy. That's good. That's very good. I, I, w I wish you had the time because I'd like to know how do you actually do this? You just like call someone and you just kind of like get on them? Or is it you kind of like telling somebody off and then, then you end up, you know, just like getting it all out? Well, thanks for letting me get it out. Like, how do we, how does something like this happen? Sometimes it's spontaneous, depending on how the Holy Ghost works with you. In a conversation um, with someone. It, it, it can come up in a conversation. Okay. 
or it can come like stuff you watch on TV that brings conviction. Okay. You begin to talk about it, okay. and all of a sudden, you feel the release. Okay. All right. I guess I, I get with that. That's pretty interesting. Well, this morning, <laughs> I'm getting free. Um, I, something happened. Mm -hmm. I got an attitude. I mm -hmm. shut down, mm -hmm. and I sat. You I, did what? I got an attitude. Yep. And then you? I shut down. What is that? That was um uh. uh Come on, help her out, y'all. It's a maladaptive coping mechanism. But I was, I was, there's a word for it. It starts with an A, right? Um, well, your A might not be what my A is. Go ahead and look at <laughs> Come on, y'all. This is me you're I talking about. Up. Help me out. Up. I can't think of the word. I back up and I, I avoid it. Okay. Avoid it. It's an X. Your pastors. <laughs> right, got my back. But um, I sat there, thought about it. Hey, Manuel, you know, and call yeah. him, and you know, and that's what you kind of bring it up. That's good. That's mechanism. Wow. <laughs> so you kind of segue this in where I want to go tonight. We were dealing with defense mechanisms. We merged in now the streams of coping mechanisms, right? We learned about the levels or the depths or the rabbit hole of denial, right? How many of y'all found your denial places? have begun to find places that you were in denial. Did I help anybody out with the eating and the weight thing? Even if you don't eat a lot. I don't eat a lot. Doctors get on me because I don't eat a lot. It's just what I eat and when I eat is all wrong. I'm, I didn't realize that I'm a binge eater. I've always connected binge eating with people who are anorexic. I didn't know that someone who eats one meal a day is considered a binge eater and you save all your calories for one meal. And I usually eat that at dinner time. So all day I'm running on Pepsis. All day long. And until I tried Weight Watchers, I'm not suggesting Weight Watchers at all because Weight Watching needs to be a part of our life. It needs to be a mindset. It shouldn't be a place where we reach a certain weight and then we go back eating how we want to eat. But when I was trying Weight Watchers years ago, I found out that my favorite, wild berries, see, I'm going to taste it right now. Satan the Lord rebukes you from Wendy's. I would go to the drive-thru at Wendy's on the way to church on Tuesdays and get my large wild berry lemonade. And on the way home, I'll be just about done because anybody is a sipper, I'll have a can of soda and I'll sip on it for like six or eight hours. People always throw my sodas away because that one soda will last me. I'll carry it from room to room, desk to desk. I sip on that one soda all day long. So by the time I get back home, I'm going through the drive-thru at Wendy's again to get that large wild berry lemonade. And somebody was saying to me, you didn't eat all day? No, I'm just not hungry. I thought something was wrong until I found out that on Weight Watchers, the wild berry lemonade, I could either have the wild berry lemonade or I could have a steak and a vegetable. So each wild berry lemonade was meals that I was actually having without having any nutrients, any protein, Vitamins in the food, iron in the meat, y'all get me? So the eating habit is all wrong. But to hang out with me, I'll go all day long and not eat. But I'm eating. But I had to learn that. And when you learn things like that, there begins a mind shift change. Because then I had to start training myself now. Okay, am I going to have this big, large drink or am I going to have a meal? Because you wake up in the morning with a headache because you haven't eaten. Right? Am I making sense to y'all? Yes. Like now I've gotten to the point where, okay, if I'm going to have this cookie, then tonight on the way home, I can't stop and have a, 
Hershey bar with almonds. I can't grab that munch bar. I'm learning now to discipline myself, but my eating habits are not really that much better. And that's why the weight thing is there. So I had to go down that list last night. Am I in simple denial, which is what? I know y'all not trained to be life coaches, but I still want you to know yourself. What's simple denial? Outright denial. You better come on, Mike Dropper. What's minimizing? When you admit some of it, but you kind of like... He's such uh, a manipulator. That's what minimizing is. Such a manipulator. I know I got a problem. You ain't God. Right? I know I got a problem. Don't judge me. Just minimize it a little bit. And what's the next level from there? Transparency. Trans, trans what? Transparency. Transparency, right. What does that mean? Uh, yeah, my problem is because of you. Anybody ever been caught up in that? It's a cycle that somebody could have you wrapped in completely, and you will literally be trying to figure out how to not be their problem. Do you know that that could take you years to realize, wait a minute, I'm not or therapy. I'm not their problem. They've been blame shifting, transferring, minimizing because they made a, an upgrade from simple denial. Amen? Amen? So we asked last night for some confessions on things that we are in denial in, in our lives. We have five people in the live audience tonight. Even if you don't want to go in details, if it's just embarrassing, just if you can admit that you found a place of denial last night or today since we started this work. Is there any? I see one. Come on, stand up. Two, three, four. They're all on this side. Five. This side is holy and righteous. Bow to them, y'all. Bow. The Lamb of God is on this side of the room. Bow to the Lamb of God. <laughs> and none of y'all are going to end up at no doctor's or no hospital office and call this church. <laughs> yes, Dr. Vanessa. So I found out that my place of denial was denying that I needed help or support or assistance. So Dr. Vanessa said her place of denial is denying that she needed help or assistance. Yeah. Ooh, that should be ringing stars across the screen. Yeah. That was it right there? Amen. Amen. I'd love to hear more sometime. Yeah. Amen. When? Um, my level of denial was just like you said, you know, up late at night, I'm, I'm Eating healthy, I'm doing all the right things, but as minimizing, minimizing, and I'm just eating late at night. It's not even a bad thing. I get it. But what was happening now? So I had to come to source with that when we were talking last night. Good. Ah, that's really that. Good. And taking that. Good. Amen. Thank you. Y'all so good tonight. Y'all cutting short. I don't have to tell anybody. Get down. Sharita and while we're talking here, online viewers let us know if you can hear the audience because we're checking out how the sound is picking up here so let us know if you can hear the audience yeah, So you found yourself in a place where you're denying that you need help? Right. Gotcha. And more of a physical help. Right. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Thank you. Very good. 
Who else was on this side? Or Elder Manny? Um, my denial was the volume and intensity of my voice. Ooh, Jesus. I used to blame, I would blame it on um, being in the military and having to train to speak to a large audience. You would blame it on or you would minimize but it? I would minimize it. <laughs> Come on, use the language. But, um, with the with the learning, I learned that it was a form of manipulation and yes, overpowerment yes. to be heard. Feel busting my way in to be heard and have my way. That's good. That's good. He went a little deeper than I was being nice to him to be heard. He said, "Have my way." I was bullying. Amen. Right? Sometimes we learn those behaviors. You you were um a lot of siblings in the household with you. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Right there. We have. What number are you on the sibling line? It's. It's really funny because I didn't find out until later on yeah. in life yeah. that I was the oldest out of all. Yeah. But my, I had an older brother and older sister. What about in the household? In the household, yeah. I'm the oldest. Oldest, okay. So you kind of got drowned out by all of them? No. No? You, that's just, okay, that's the way you are. Amen. Go ahead. Let me see. Yeah. Well, my denial was that I kind of. I have a rebellious spirit. Rebellious spirit. And I try to act like people are bothering me. And I feel like I'm being rebellious. And I'm like, they need to leave me alone. Cause, and I don't like own it. And why do you do it? Um, you know yet? You don't know yet. Okay. That's good work. So you pretend people are bothering you. Is that what you're saying? Because you to don't. Me, they be bothering me, but okay. I can't say pretend because once I get alone and think about it, I say, you just really have to have and all that like that. Okay. Like that. But I, I, in my mind, I'd be like, I don't need you. So that may be a defense mechanism from something that you are fright from. Now, let me ask you this Do you have trouble saying no to people? No. Okay. I guess it depends on what it is, but. You can say no. So when you see people coming to you that you know you're going to end up acting like they're bothering you, what is your first feeling when you see people coming to you, calling you, however the event goes? Because of what? What is it that, what's, just take the person out of the picture. What is it that you perceive is about to happen? Ah, y'all hear her? It's the confrontation that you see as a threat. So your subconscious mind is already calculating how we're going to get out of this. And you're going to, do you treat them a little aggressive? Sometimes. Right. Why does she treat people aggressive? Huh? It's a defense mechanism because she perceives a threat. What's the threat? Confrontation. Is this real? Anybody else go this way? Absolutely. It doesn't even have to be a face-to-face. It could be a phone call. You'd be like, mm, I wonder if they heard what I heard because they're calling me because they want to deal with it and I don't want to deal with it. And all of this stuff starts going on. Good work, Nisi. Very good. Damien? Um, I want to say my defense, my denial is um, because I grew up in the church and as a man, there are certain, there are certain times there are certain things that I feel like I should be able to let go, but then as a man, I should be able to just drop it. I should be able to just you better go ahead. accept it. I should yes. be able to just push it down, to yes. get rid of my feelings. And I'm learning, <laughs> and I'm learning to stop kiss because it gets me nowhere. Right. Pushing it down, it gets me nowhere. It just depresses me, and then it just, it still leaves me with questions. 
Yeah. It still leaves me questions that didn't get answered. So then when those same emotions come back up in six, seven, eight, nine, ten months, yeah. those same questions are still there. Right. But those answers are still not there. So what is it that you would like to do? What would, is it that you'd like to happen? I would like Because I like how you start out as a man. Because when you say as a man to me, I take it as a Christian man. The Bible does teach us that we have to put those feelings in the place where they belong. And we should be able to move on and be about our brothers and sisters, right? We're supposed to be each other's keeper. Mm -hmm. So what is it that you would like to do? Would you like to find a way to address those things instead of squashing them down? Honestly, just that. Just get some information on on, on how to help. Because a, 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 a lot of what I struggled with is I feel like I just didn't have anybody to, to go to. That's what I was going to ask you. So honestly, I'll just get the info on how to help because... Good. I, I get that. God's yeah. got the rest. I'm good. good. All right. Yeah. Beautiful. He did very well. Thank you. Amen. And you said the online viewers can hear both sides of this? No, they, they, they cannot. They said it's hard to hear in the back. So okay. But they can hear you up front. Yeah. So the next time, I know what we'll do then. Next time, y'all going to come and sit up here with me. <laughs> and she would be the first one out the door. <laughs> Josie would leave as soon as I got anywhere near her. Well, good evening. I'm sorry if you couldn't hear that in the back of the church. We're just having some good conversation in here tonight. Bring an application and a little more maybe visual or non-visual eyesight to what it is that we're actually working on. We're going to move into our lesson for tonight, and we're going to talk about our number two main defense mechanism after depression. Depression has been on the charts for hundreds of years, number one pop song, Denial. Number two is repression. Repression, you can put repression slash suppression. Repression. Repression and suppression are very similar defense mechanisms. They both involve a process of pulling thoughts into the unconscious and preventing painful or dangerous thoughts from entering the conscious. Now, that was literally two sentences in my book, but how much do you think that actually takes to go on in your body? <laughs> you ever think about that? It, it, it takes me back to the word when it said, God said, let there be light. And we all say, God said, let there be light. And boom, there was light. You do know it was way more than that. Like an atom actually blew up in the earth, right? You do get that. It wasn't as simple as, and God said, and then there it was. A whole explosion had to happen. If I was teaching on the prophetic tonight, that is definitely the way I would go. It's a whole explosion of things that happen when we begin to speak as representative of what God has given us to speak and to release into the earth. Y'all get me? Yes. Listen to it. Let me read it again. Repression and suppression both involve a process of pulling thoughts, a thought, into the unconscious while preventing painful or dangerous thoughts from entering in the consciousness. So it's like a fight of good and evil going on inside of us. Doesn't it feel like that sometimes? You ever feel like you be bugging out? Something weird ever happened to you like this? You say, yes, sir. Something weird ever happened to you while you're in a shopping line somewhere in the store? Maybe somebody triggered you and you want to be real quick to respond? But you know they're going to tap on your shoulder and say, Hi, Pastor Kareem, you going to the Apostle's house? Or they're going to say to me, I know you from Apostle Suzanne. Some of y'all have told me in the last two weeks 
People knew Apostle Suzanne, but didn't know your name, but knew you were affiliated with me. What's your name? And they were like, oh, man. Then we kind of backtracking in the mind. What was I doing? You know, was I on the phone cussing Peyton and Bernard out, and they heard me the next hour over? Hello, somebody. And they're like, oh, praise the Lord. They're like, hey, lady, I was in the tile department. I heard you in the seat department. We were staring your family so in your mind now, because you're trying to figure out how much did they hear, how long were they waiting for you to say hi, and inside your mind is a process. And it's a process of repression. It's pulling thoughts into the unconscious, and it's preventing those painful thoughts or those perceived threats that somebody's coming to confront us on something, and it's blocking it from entering our conscious mind. That's a lot of work. Somebody say headache. Hey. I bet you, I bet. If this happens often enough, I bet a headache shows up from this type of work. Absolutely. The difference is that repression is an unconscious force, while suppression is a conscious process. Wow. A conscious choice not to think about something. Now, this isn't even considered denial. Because this is a conscious choice not to think about something. Right. Have you ever said something? I, I just can't think about that right now. It's a conscious choice. That's what suppression is. I am purposely suppressing this thought so you cannot bring this conversation to me. Sometimes we have to avoid people because we're trying to suppress something that we don't want to deal with. We'll stay home from church. Oh, the church is just too much. Well, what's going on? Oh, church is just the church people. It's the church. Then you find out what I said the other day. So it's one person. So you avoid the whole thing. You suppress the conversation. You you um use the displacement theory, and you kind of like push all the information on the entire kingdom. And it just one usher jacked you up at the door because she was having a bad day. Repression can be detrimental. That's weird, right? The difference, let me back it up. The difference is repression is an unconscious force, while suppression is a conscious process. It's a conscious choice not to think about something. Repression is detrimental. Suppression is entirely conscious and can be managed. Y'all confused already? No, y'all good? All right. Because repression is unconscious, it manifests itself through a symptom mm. or a series of symptoms, sometimes called, this is like a movie, The Return of the Repressed. <laughs> you like that? Because repression is unconscious, it manifests itself through a symptom or a series of symptoms, sometimes called the return of the repressed. A repressed sexual desire, for example. Mm-hmm. Y'all hold on. We ain't doing delete deliverance right now. Somebody told me, I hope you're ready. Things gonna manifest in these Tuesday nights. I hope you're ready for this. I hope you thought about this. A repressed sexual desire, for example, might resurface in the form of a nervous cough. Oh, who did that? 
Who did that? I told you this ain't the righteousness of God over here. They need the blood of the land. Why would you do that right then and there? Unconscious process. Did we not thank her for the example? Because repression is unconscious, it manifests itself through a symptom, like clearing the throat or a series of symptoms, sometimes called the return of the repressed. A repressed throat that needed to be cleared, a sexual desire, for example, might resurface in the form of a nervous cough or a slip of the tongue. In this way, although the subject, the person, the ID, is not conscious of the desire <clears throat> and so cannot speak it out loudly, so the subject's body can still articulate. I can't finish this tonight. I'm There's no way I'm going to be able to get through this moment. Because all I'm seeing is you, Elder Joy, in all of this. Although Elder Joy is not conscious of the desire and so cannot speak it out loud, this is what I'm hearing the subject's body can still articulate the forbidden desire through her symptom. Anybody go? This <clears throat> getting turned in here tonight. I promise y'all next week won't be like this. I'm not going to have a desk. I'm going to be standing up. Y'all going to be able to see the audience, and you're going to be able to see me. Next week is going to be a whole different setup. Deliver my mind, Lord. <laughs> it has often been claimed that traumatic events are repressed. That's God, right? That traumatic events are repressed. Yet it appears that it is more often likely that the occurrence of these events is remembered in a distorted manner. They show up differently. One problem from some objective research with this situation is that a memory is usually defined as what someone says or does. Do y'all get that? Somebody give me, a, give me an example. Because I don't think the whole audience got it. If y'all could see how y'all look, this is why I want the camera on y'all. I would rather do this in Walmart parking lot the way y'all look tonight. Like, honestly, I think this is must just be too much for y'all. Yeah, exactly. What's the question again? Y'all don't even know what I'm saying up here. Either y'all thinking about Elder Joy or, I mean, I, something just went on in here. Yes, Minister Nicole. Come up here so they can hear you. You should be. That was the worst time to breathe. You should have fainted. It would have been better. I got a drink. Excuse me. Just, they're just acting up tonight, but I'm going to be just with y'all because y'all are saying these other people. So say if there was some sexual trauma mm -hmm. in your past or whatever have you, and then you were intimate with your spouse, sure. and your spouse touched you in a certain way, mm. and it triggers something you didn't even know that it was that the reason why you were uncomfortable in yes. that situation was because of the traumatic event that had happened. Absolutely, that's very good. Could they hear us yeah. online? Yes. That was good. I want to hear what are they saying online? Anybody connecting with that? They're still talking about elders. Okay. <laughs> that's going to be for generations to come. 
Anyone else have a statement on that? Did y'all kind of know where we're at now? Okay. So a lot of things will show up as a memory, but it would be something that someone could say or someone can do. There's a lot of movies out there. If you like um, psychological thrillers like I do, there's a lot of movies out there where people will be going about their normal life and something would happen in a restaurant. Somebody would bump them somewhere. Um, something could happen when they broke their knee and they went to the hospital and it would trigger an event in their life and it would show up as a memory. And sometimes they're not even aware that now their behavior is acting differently because even though it's a memory, I really got to teach y'all on the, the power of memories, but even though it's a memory, it is real lifetime to the individual. So research has shows that it usually shows up as a memory and it's usually defined as what someone says or does. It cannot be measured or recorded objectively since there is no way to verify the existence or the accuracy of memory except through its correspondence to some other. An independent representation of past events, written records, photographs, reports, other things that you can probably think of. Normal repression is psychoanalytical in theory and it's considered to have two stages which are progressively involved in the creation of the individual's sense of self. This is why you have to be on a psychologist's couch. These identity issues, the, 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 the so detox that I was going to do for 2023, I was going to do how trauma affects our identity. And you will be surprised how many identity issues from the extreme most identity issues to some of the simple most, maybe our area of identity issues is from some sort of trauma that happened in your life. Do you know that you can be affected by someone else's trauma? Yeah, because remember, it's as a memory. So something traumatic could happen to Peyton, and I can take that trauma on. And it's it's not as if it happened to me, but the memory is so strong that it can affect me in other parts of my life. I don't even have to be there. Are y'all getting what I'm saying? Come on. In the primary repression stage, let me back it up. Normal repression is psychoanalytical in theory, and it's considered to have two stages which are progressively involved in the creation of the individual's sense of self and other, and then of good and bad. And of the aspects of personality called ego and superego, which I kind of skipped. For those of y'all that did get the ebook already, you'll notice in the beginning in chapter one, I didn't bring up anything about the ego, the ID, or the superego. I didn't want to use it for this time. But let me just give you this piece here on it. In the primary repression phase, somebody type it out there for me, primary repression phase, the infant learns that some aspects of reality are pleasant. The Garden of Eden, if only we could have stayed. And others are unpleasant. That some are controllable, others are not. This is the infant stage. To define the self, the infant must repress the natural assumption that all things are equal. Infant stage. Primary repression then is the process of determining what is self, what is other, what is good, and what is bad. Did I lose y'all? Once done, the child can then distinguish between desires, fears, 
self, mother, and other. So just with that right there, and for all of y'all have raised kids or been in a household where kids are being raised, do kids know the difference between good and bad? Yeah, yeah they do. They absolutely do. And they can do a whole lot of other things that we tend to ignore. But the child is able to distinguish between desires, fears, self, and mother, and other. Secondary repression, write it down, begins once the child realizes that acting on some desires may evoke anxiety. Child. For example, the child who desires the mother's breast may be denied and feel threatened with punishment, perhaps by the father. The anxiety leads to repression of desires. Y'all get me? The anxiety leads to repression of the desire for the mother's breast. The threat of punishment related to this form of anxiety, once internalized, becomes the superego. What does that mean? which intercedes against the desires of the ego without the need for any identifiable external threat. Gosh, I want to go this way or not. Y'all all right? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go on. Abnormal repression, also known as complex or neurotic behavior involving repression and the superego, occurs when repression develops or continues to develop due to internalized feelings of anxiety in ways leading to behavior that is illogical, self-destructive, and antisocial. I've got such a great teaching for y'all on antisocial. What does antisocial mean? What is it? Did she say something I need to hear? Doesn't like society. Doesn't like society. Thank you. Anyone else? Don't want to be bothered. Finding reasons to always be by yourself. What else? Avoiding communication. What else? Socially awkward. Okay, socially awkward. Well, Joycey was right. To be antisocial means that you are against society's rules and laws. You're a menace to society. We use it as, um, oh, you're antisocial, you're stuck up. That is so off and so wrong. Any psychologist in the room would cringe. Antisocial is for people who have some form of mental stress or strain, challenge, that they can't obey the laws of the land. If the speed limit say 65 and you're telling them there's a cop up there, they can't even process the fact that this law is in place to save my life. That's this little fiat. Anybody old enough to know what a fiat is? This little fiat, if it reaches 80 miles per hour and I flip off this highway, more than likely the trajectory is I'm dead. I'm going to be shot right out of this car. They don't have any mindset to, to follow those instructions. They can't follow a simple law. They can't follow church ordinances. They can't, they're unable to follow guidelines in the workplace, city, town, or state. They usually have high arrest records. Um, they're usually thrown out of a lot of places. 
that anti it's actually called anti-society and we broke it down to anti-social but it's anti-societal it's people who cannot follow the rules of any kind of civilized place are y'all with me yes. yeah y'all learned something tonight it's it's deep when you really really understand it it is so deep and it should help us to upgrade our minds to stop calling people who we think are not friendly anti-social if they were anti-social they would have probably hit you and not understood the repercussions for hitting you that's an anti-society anti-social person they don't understand that there are consequences to their behavior and where most people would learn lessons they don't go joyce give her a hand clap Anybody in here anti-societal? In this situation, a psychotherapist may try to reduce this behavior by revealing or reintroducing the repressed aspects of the patient's mental process to his conscious awareness, and then teaching the patient how to reduce any anxieties felt about the feelings or impulses. Now, when we talked about feelings and impulses, I got a couple minutes left. Um, is anybody aware that this child that we use in this scenario who is being withheld from mommy's breast because of the father could actually grow up with sexual issues? Anyone have any ideas why or want to share any thoughts on that? You're not touching it. I hear you. When we talked about this, we gave an example how anxiety was triggered from the child. Because at an infant stage, remember, the child was able to recognize mother, father. They know the difference. And they realize that they have been inside this warm, encapsulated place. And they know their mother's voice. They hear her voice yelling, talking. They hear her chewing, eating, singing. This baby is inside of us. So it literally hears more than we even pay attention to about ourselves. So when this baby is born and is finally able to lay his eyes on you, this child is in love with you. And it, this, believe it or not, at an infant stage, this child expects you, that voice that they know, to love them, protect them, secure them. And they don't expect anything else from you but emotional attunement, touching, and feeding, which comes from the breast. So when something comes and cuts off that need, it's an innate, it's an instilled need from that child, that child could grow up with very serious traumatic sexual issues. Almost, I'm gonna leave it alone, almost sexual deviant issues. Right, so when this child, let's just say it's a male child and it grows up and women don't want to engage, they may not know how to stop. And they may not know why, because they were an infant when it happened. Who remembers their infant days? If there's anybody in here, I'm done with you. There's two of y'all back there. I'm done with y'all. The infant stages. I can barely get past eight or ten. I don't know how y'all be third grade remembering stuff. Infant. I had a, I had a client. Let me skip on from that. I'm, I'm just... <laughs> But because it happened, it is in the subconscious mind, whether we remember it or not. 
Does anybody ever experience where you were out all day long doing things and you thought you were self-aware in the moment? And then when you got home or you went to sleep or when you woke up that next day, a, a memory or flash came before you that you didn't even see all day, but it was picked up in your subconscious mind. You ever have that? That happens a lot to me. And, and I call it God revealing to me things he want me to see that I, I didn't get a chance to see. So I can pick up the phone and call someone. They'd be like, you weren't even there. How'd you know that? When I was over there, and I, I'm not an eavesdropper. A lot of y'all are. I watch y'all. And um, I, I can't, I don't have that gift. Some of y'all literally be like in two places at one time in the room. I mean, that's, that's a gift, boy. But the Holy Spirit, I'm going to say, even though it is psychological, will bring it back to me the next day and show me how I missed something very important. It could be a look. It could be a conversation. It could be somebody that had gone by in the room. Just because my natural eyes didn't make a photographic memory of it in my conscious is back here. So even though as an infant, you don't remember it as an adult, it's still here. The, the soul is a mainframe that never quits. Even when the battery is dead on your phone, there's something still going in your phone. Do y'all notice how much more honest Apple has become? When your phone dies and you go to find my phone, they tell you that the phone is still trackable. That soul is still on. I remember one time when I was under anesthesia, I had day surgery and I was under anesthesia and I actually heard all the conversation from the surgeon, somebody else shaking their head. Y'all ever had that? Even though my body was unconscious, I was heavily sedated. I heard all the conversations they were talking about me while I was induced under this heavy medication. And when I came out, I mentioned it to them. They was like, you heard that? Like the soul, even though you're drunk, high, under anesthesia, your soul isn't asleep. And according to great teachers, I told Minister Mike, we're going to do a lot of studying of this in 2023, um, even when you're dead, there's some something that's still on that I'm digging in to find out a little bit more about it. That soul is an amazing mainframe, hardware. It's not software applications. It's hardware. And it never sleeps, no matter how intoxicated you get this thing. So as an infant, there are things that your subconscious mind has stored in the memory that you may never, ever, ever figure out. I've seen people say, I never been told I've been touched. I don't have a memory of touch, but something's funny sometimes with me with touching. Or they'll say something about something in my family. Something went on in my family, and I don't know what it is. When I ask questions, nobody answers me, but I feel like something went on in the family. And as an infant, they were a witness to something. So this young child subconsciously has soared in their memory that this man took from me something that I needed naturally. It was a natural need and response. It wasn't anything extra. So when you get older, there could actually be sexual identity issues, sexual repression, which I said also could be under deviant, all these other things. Um, or maybe you have a, um, uh, let's say you have a, um, a fear of women and you don't know why you have this fear of women. Things that happen in infant years can still be running us today, if I could use that word running. Y'all all right? 
I got to end, so I'll read this last paragraph. The problem with repression is that whatever we are trying to push away into the subconscious is not lost. This tends to actually empower it. And the more one tries to repress something, the more powerful and attractive it becomes. I just saw Adam and Eve in the garden. What y'all see? Anybody get a scripture pop up? Anything? Oh, I got to ignite y'all out with solid oil. Come on, what you get? I got um, Romans 7. The, when I will do good, evil is always Very good. Come on, y'all. Light it up. Romans 7, that fight between the law and the love that goes on inside of us. Come on. Absolutely. So even in language, like when we say, um, you know, like, um, like say you're on a, um, you're eating different. You're eating different. You start saying what you can't eat. And the more you say what you can't eat, the more you will want. Absolutely. That goes with the fast. I think everybody knows about that. Yes. Corinda was sharing how, um, if you're trying to change how you're eating and you keep saying you can't eat something, that's the more you say you can't eat it the more empowering it becomes. And the more you try to repress it, even by speaking about it, the more attractive that thing becomes to you. Finally, the repressed desire starts to manifest itself in our actions, often in ways not noticeable to us, to I, the individual, but noticeable to others. And that's gotta be the worst punishment in the world. Because that's when we go on and say, they think they know me better than I know myself. 99% of the time, you really don't know yourself as good as you think you do. Repression. Anybody going to give me a takeaway on repression tonight? If there's anyone online that wants to give us a takeaway on what they learned about repression tonight or how they were able to notice something like that in their life. If I could have three people in the room, it would help, starting with Minister Corendus. Come on. Yeah, good, Kamisha. Yeah, who else? Thank you, Pastor D. Amen. All right, Minister Corindus. So for years, um, when my son was young, I always made sure that we had Christmas tree decorating on it. But as he got older and it wasn't a big deal for him anymore, mm -hmm. I just realized that it was something that I didn't need to do because mm -hmm. I didn't want to. And so I was driving back in December, and I was driving in the car. I wasn't thinking about nothing Christmas. Yeah. And all of a sudden, a memory popped up from when I was about seven years old. Great. And a Christmas tree was a part of the situation, mm -hmm. and it was a traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And I realized that the reason that I don't like to decorate for Christmas is because that memory just happened. She shared how she had a memory just pop up out of nowhere, driving in her car. Was it Christmas holidays? Was it around Christmas time? Okay, it was in a December month, and a memory came back um, of something tragic that happened around the Christmas tree, and realized that that's why she doesn't really get too involved in Christmas. Not a big deal whether she decorates or not. Amen. It's in us, y'all. And I'm even teaching Peyton. Talk to your kids and teach your kids. Horace Peyton, what's going on? I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. And then she'll say something like, Mima, you, you must not tell me. And I'll tell her, Peyton, you are the only one that knows what's going on inside of you. And I'm teaching her how to go in and internalize and pull that feeling out, bring out what's going on. Because kids often don't because they think you're going to get in trouble, yeah. laugh at, judge. She might get a spanking. I might not understand. And now she's at that age now where we don't understand anything. You know, they laugh at the word lie. Oh, you guys say lie. It's cat. Like, everything we say is just so weird to them. We know who the real weird ones are, right? <laughs> so uh, we have to teach ourselves. We are the only one that knows the answer. And it's okay to say, I don't know. It is okay. But don't leave it at that. Go in here and find out what it is about you that you don't know something that you should have an answer to. I, I did some work this morning myself, and I found out the answer to something. And it, it's so freeing. Amen? Who else was on this side before I come back up to Pastor D? Kanisha? That's good. Repression is an unconscious force. The deeper we repress it, the louder it speaks. That's right. The more empowering it gets. Absolutely. And who else is on this side? Is it just Pastor D? Go ahead, Pastor D. Um, what was coming to mind, and it's come to mind in years and years ago, the reason why I like sitting by water. Because mm -hmm. most of my happy memories are revolved around what was happening around the water at the beach. Yeah. And so it just... I just go there to sit. That's a safe place, Pastor yeah. yeah, that's a safe place because you have happy memories there. Mm -hmm. That's real. Amen. Anyone else? We good? The rest of y'all here? God, I feel bad for y'all. I almost want to pray for y'all. <clears throat> I look like y'all need prayer. I'm trying to find a happy face. I found Thomasina's and maybe Abby's. I think that's about it in here. Anybody else want to smile for a moment? I mean, is this gut-wrenching? This was easy. Was it not easy? It wasn't easy. Was this not easy? I think I'm just thinking of all the stuff I'm repressing or I have repressed. Okay, thank you for helping me out with that. Thank yeah, you. Okay, see? He helped me understand better. Now I get why y'all looking like. Because as I'm teaching, you guys are actually doing the application and you're searching to find out the things that you are repressing. Real in real time. Sorry. <laughs> Should I get some oil out? Anyone online? Ebony. Dominique said repression manifests through a symptom or, or a series of symptoms. Yes. Repression series. can make things more powerful the more you try to repress something. Woo! My, 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 my. I don't know why I did that, but we're going to find out why. Sometimes we don't know why we do things. And that's a repression. Something has been repressed. Absolutely. Who was it that I was talking to the other day? I don't Oh, gosh, forgive me. I was having a conversation with the Holy Spirit. I had just woken up that morning, and it was almost like he was waiting for me to wake up. Anybody have those experiences? And he was like, okay, I'll let you sleep long enough. Get up. And I'm waking up, and he's like, remember when this happened to you? Remember when this happened to you? Remember when I had? And I was like, oh, my God. I forgot all about him. And it, and it was it was trauma, and I started putting pieces together. Um, sometimes you ever notice why sometimes you're moody, and you don't know why you're moody, or you really haven't dug in to find out why you're moody. Something that's repressed, uh huh, and it's it's triggered, and it doesn't have to be triggered by anything, but just that gloom is there. 
A rainy day can trigger people. Sunny days can trigger people. And he began to show me these things. And I was like, I forgot all about them. I, I, and then I, he kind of gave me some instructions on what to do with them. But now that they're brought up out of my soul, I wish they weren't. I wish they weren't. But it's the freedom in me getting it out because I feel lighter. But I also feel like now what do I do with it? Amen. Angela, were you going to say something? No? Correct. So it's ironic that you should repeat that, um, that whole line mm. because years ago I was um, praying and um, I would have these things come up. And I'd be like, God, like, why am I remembering that? And he was like, it has to come up so it can come out. I can't heal it if you push it down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes I'm a, I'm a dreamer. I'm a visual mm -hmm. type thing. But at night, sometimes I will have dreams, and in those dreams, whatever I'm dealing with, um, it can be traumatic or something that already happened that mm -hmm. was traumatic, mm -hmm. and I don't understand the, the dream because it's so weird. Yeah. But I wake up out of the dream having to deal with this issue or mindset mm -hmm. that I'm in, and I'm like, okay, I didn't watch nothing crazy. I'm not angry. Why am I like this? And I. I'm understanding that subconsciously yeah. I'm dealing with it, Absolutely. but it's manifesting um, out in the open. It's a scrambled TV screen. And and I may say something and I may act a certain way, yeah. but I'm just, I'm quick to come back and say, listen, I, I, I didn't mean that. Yeah. I didn't mean it to come out that way. I'm just dealing with it. Yeah. I don't even realize what I'm dealing with sometimes. Absolutely. It's, it's real. Sometimes when I, I always include God in it, I just can't help it. That's just my recreated nature. But I, I realize that sometimes you ever have really, really chaotic, crazy dreams where if you were just allowed to know what the issue was that you're repressing, it would be a lot easier to you because now you spend time trying to unscramble this scrambled chaotic dream or nightmare and it feels chaotic on the inside of you. I found out that our soul is not ready yet for the fullness of what it is that's being repressed. So it comes out what I have learned to call abstract art. Y'all know what abstract art is? It's just a little bit of this. And the dream kind of looks like abstract art. And you have to look in the abstract art to see what the author is actually saying to you. And that's the same thing with your soul. There is a, an impression that your soul is trying to show you through this abstract portion of your soul. But you can only handle so much at that time. And that's why it comes out very abstract. The soul has a defense mechanism. The soul is us. We are our soul. Please understand that. This is taking us back to, to five years yeah. ago. Your soul is who you are. It's not your flesh. It's not any of that. Your soul is who you are. It's where your lusts, your appetites, your desires, your will, your intelligence. In the beginning, when God breathed, the breath of life into man, he became a living soul. He became a living being. When God breathed that life into him, it didn't start heartbeat with him. His psyche was turned on. We were given a psyche to go in our soul. Too much? No. Okay. Amen. So I was, I was just wanting to ask a question. So do you, do you think that God allows some stuff to be repressed until we can handle it or until we're at another level where we'll 
be able to take whatever lesson from me or whatever like so I I have like periods of time that I have completely like blacked out like I try to remember like wow I'll make remember that like I'm trying to remember like what happened in this age bracket and then all of a sudden it'll like come rushing back and it'll be like and it'll almost be like it won't be I'll remember clear. it, but it won't be it won't be as as traumatic okay as traumatic gotcha. yeah. Yeah. Like, I believe that repression came from the fall because I think that was the reason why Jesus understood our fallen nature when he said who do men say that I am he understood that there is a, a distinguishment in us where we repress because who should have known who he was more than anybody else his disciples the people he walked with. they saw the miracles the signs the wonders they had all proof of who he was, yet every single time something went on, fear came, or they wanted to do things their own way, or all the different things that came up, they would repress who he was. It's part of our fallen nature. And I believe, because God uses everything for his glory, for our good, that he allows it, because psychologically, all the trauma and stress that we have that we are not supposed to be living in would take us all out. This earth would be insane. A Mad Max movie to the max. It would be insane. Look what's look what's happening in 2023. Again, I bring it up. A first grader shot his teacher. Excuse me. What? Like we're the wheels are spinning in that direction because the further we get away from God, the further we get away from His Spirit, the teachers already of the kingdom will not show up. Everybody wants to be apostles and prophets. They took away the apostles. The apostles are getting to come back, but now they're becoming bishops. And the prophets are getting to come back slowly. The church is slow to let the prophets in because of all the false prophets. So God's voice has to now um, be vetted and proved to everybody because the false prophets and the false wolves came in. So we have all this stuff missing for the church. But the gift, the gift that's still missing from the church is the teacher. Who's teaching? Who's judging the fruit? Saying that this is of God or not? The teacher's still absent. And, and, and the world uses a statement that says, when the student is ready, so how are the disciples going to be ready for the teachers to appear? We in trouble. As a whole, we are in trouble. The teachers of God, we, we, we focus on Ephesians 4 and 11. Those are administration gifts given to the church. They're just gifts. Beautiful, wonderful, well needed. No church should be without Ephesians 4 and 11. But the miracle workers, the sign workers, the healers, are the apostles, the prophets, and the teachers. We need the teachers back in the kingdom. Don't think the teacher is not needed or necessary. The teacher is mandatory. We often want to punish apostles and prophets, but there was only one office that God said, you all are not run for this position and title right here. It wasn't pastor, it wasn't apostle, it wasn't prophet, it was the teacher. Because he said the teacher is going to be more severely punished than anybody. Yes. 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 I'm still preaching that thing from seven yes. years ago. Yes, Marcus. And then we'll go home if our online viewers don't have anything to say. That's suppression, because that's conscious. Yep. 
Very good. So what's, where's like the line between that's unhealthy and you're just thinking positively and it's just like, you know, nothing. Like, you gotta help me a little bit more with that. Um, so you said, where's the line at between something being healthy or something you just yeah. don't want to think about anymore? Yeah, like sometimes people will suppress things, I guess, or like, oh, I'm suppressed, I just think positive, think of this guy. Oh, okay, I got you. not think like about negative things, but sometimes it's like, are you ever going to think about that? <laughs> For real, like, yeah. That's that whole motivational speech stuff, too, and that self-help guru stuff we came up with that has gotten into the church. And um, if you're broke, um, pull down the slot machine from heaven and get money. No, we need to deal with this brokenness. you got a spending problem because you have a job. There's no reason for you to be broke. You get what I'm saying? Um, or let's, let's just deal with people who steal that have no reason to steal because they get a paycheck. Something wrong is in the mindset. So... We have to, for me, I'm not going to say I'm a realist, but things have to be real for me. I can't deal in the gray area. You won't like me. I won't like myself. It's confusing. I need black or white. That's the teacher in me. I need it either way. So anyone that I have to deal with that stays in the gray area too long and I don't seem to be able to help or bring any kind of um, reformation to them, I, I move on. I can't live in that area. But there are some people that live there because it has become a repression, which is one of the 20 defense mechanisms that we're working on. And bringing any truth to that, they can't because they're in those stages of denial. So, yeah, a lot of us are waiting for people. You need to admit, right? Sometimes you need to apologize. Sometimes you need to confess, which is why we opened up that way. But some people stay in that area and they stay around people or even join churches or be involved with groups who keep in this in this perpetual heaven mindset. And it's not realistic. Did I answer it? Yeah. I would say the line is, is when you see those stages of denial. See if they're minimizing. See if they're making excuses, transferring. You know, a lot of parents say, I'm sorry, if they will say sorry, what I did to you when you were a child, but I was drunk. I had an addiction problem. And yes, they did, but that doesn't excuse the fact that you did this. And you owe it to yourself to confess, and you owe it to me to apologize. The, the addiction is secondary. I'm hurt. I'm wounded because of what you did, no matter what you were under. So it's it's a reality there. Did it help at all? Okay. Amen. So yeah, we have a right to make people accountable for what they've done. But when they don't, it's denial that we talked about last night. Is denial something that people choose to be in? Or is this one of the subconscious processes? Do y'all remember? It's subconscious. It's of an immature mind. The mind got stuck somewhere along life's road and decided to stay right there. So the mind is immature. And I even said that you can see some of this immaturity in other parts of their life. You ever meet people and you'd be like, wow, they look like they just came off a 70s magazine. <laughs> right? I pick on the girls that hang with me. They, they get it the worst. They get it worse. worse or they get the W's to the N. And I remember one time with Leah. She had this cute little luggage. It was so cute. And we were going on a missionary journey to Macon, Georgia. The woman thought she was going to start a church when we went down there and talked to her. And her little luggage, I think it had race cars all over it. Yeah, it had race cars all over it. 
So the Lord just started one night in the hotel room and I said, Leah, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have a princess birthday party for you. <laughs> and, and I was dead serious. I said, there was a place, I think it was in West Hartford and Maysfield be there where they have these different rooms in the house and the little girls can have their, their beauty makeovers. They can have their spa thing. And they only allow like six girls. And I told her, I said, I don't care if we can't fit in this thing at our age and our size, we're going to go there. Because I said, there's a point in your life where you got stuck at, and I said, this luggage, it, it, it's, I can't explain it, but as an apostle, prophets probably can pick up on it too. It was irritating. It was like the luggage goes zoom, 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 all day, all weekend long. So finally I said, Leah, we're going to spend a weekend together. And we're gonna have a princess birthday party just for you. She's looking like, what are you talking about? She had no clue. She received it, but she had no clue. Then she came back the next day and told us she wanted it to be, uh, who was your favorite <laughs> cartoon at the time, the cat? Uh, yes. Hello Kitty. Hello Kitty. So when Hello Kitty came out, I had a whole ministering going on to her. Because sometimes, there, can y'all think of anything right now in your life that you kind of like that you know might be a little babyish or immature, and maybe there's a part in your life y'all can? Yeah, I can too. Absolutely. And then another time, Leah came in, and she had two little cute little like little things on her head, and we were in here working. This is how God moves me as an apostle. When she came in, I looked at her, and I was like, something's off. Please understand, this is not a game. This is not to get any hype or anything. I see less with these eyes, even with glasses on, than I do with the eyes in here. When I saw her, I kept saying, something's off, something's off, something's off. Couldn't figure out what it was. Finally, by the end of preaching, I go upstairs and I said to her, that hairdo has got to go. And that's the last time you come in here with them things. And she was like, she couldn't believe I had a problem with her hair. But I was seeing something more in the spirit of what was going on. And I was able to minister to her. And in a very odd way, sorry, Leah, through the through our, our tenure together, the Lord has had me minister to like the little girl that's in her. Because he's given me the ability to see it. But usually most things that I see is something, it, it, it streams me the wrong way. And it kind of brings out like a um, righteous indignation where I kind of come at the thing. And she had another hairstyle one time. I ain't going to go into details. But she had another hairstyle one time. And um, again, the same thing came at me again, and I had to approach her on it. It's, it's, it's little things that God would show us spiritually that a non-Christian or someone not filled with the Holy Spirit or someone who doesn't have the prophetic on them would never pick up on somebody. She looked cute. Leah always dresses appropriately, has her own style. I like her own style. It was nothing personal, but it was something God wanted me to see, so he made it irritate me. So that I could see what it was. We all have something like that in us. He knows how to care for us, even with y'all harsh apostle, right? That's <laughs> Hearts and minds clear? Amen. Any questions, comments? All right. We wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. Thank you so much for tuning in with us tonight, especially while we try to work out these cameras in this live. But I promise you, next week is going to be way more exciting, at least participation-wise, and in including the live um, viewers with the live audience in the building today. Thank you. God bless you. And see you tomorrow at 7 p.m. Please like and share. Thank you. And have a good night. Let it
Dr. Suzanne Howard is happy to have shared this time with you. To get more information on solutions and personal development, coaching, and counseling of the soul, go to www.suzannemhoward.com. You can also find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Periscope. Thank you for tuning in with us.